job on that. Um, we are here together, worshiping together, and uh, I'm excited for that. I know of other churches that have closed, and people have asked me, will we ever close? I say, yeah, if it's a level three emergency, and they tell us we'll arrest you if you're on the road. But I really want to appreciate our worship team today because uh, they were here at 730 this morning. <clears throat> And they did all the rehearsal and got ready for you guys and, uh, and to worship the Lord. And I, I just appreciate them, appreciate that worship set that we just had. Uh, you did make it. I'm proud of you for that. That's good. Uh, last night, real about 10 o'clock, I was shoveling my, my uh, driveway for the third time. And I kept passing my driver's, na- my driver's driveway, the, my, no, my neighbor's driveway. <laughs> um, and uh, as I passed it, I kept thinking, I should probably like shovel her snow, but she doesn't like us very much. I don't know why, but she does not like us very much. This is truth. And um, so about 10 o'clock, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll shovel their snow. And, and, uh, and they hadn't done anything yet. And I drove out this morning. I noticed they have the biggest snowblower I've ever seen in my life today. <laughs> so I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe it helped uh, last night to help a little bit. But um, glad you guys are here. Let's, uh, let's get started with prayer. Uh, Lord, we just give you thanks today for just the ability to worship you, to come together, to celebrate you, and uh, God, we just thank you that everybody came here safely today, and we pray that you would just open up the word of God to us today. You'd teach us, you'd direct us, you'd challenge us, and God, you'd help us to be more like you today. And so God, we pray for that in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, we started a new series last week called Focus. And it comes out of Luke chapter, or out of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, that says that we should fix our eyes or focus our eyes or look to Jesus. And, uh, and sometimes what we need is comfort in this life, but what we really need is some courage. And sometimes what we need is, what we want is a little bit of sympathy, but what we need is some strength. Sometimes what we want is people to feel sorry for us, but what we need is a little bit of challenge. Uh, you may feel tired today or worn out. And uh, some of us want our coach to say, hey, go ahead and take it easy. Uh, go ahead and uh, get some water, sit on the bench for a while. And maybe that's what we want, but what we really need is somebody to say, hey, keep going. The game is not over yet. Let's finish this thing, get back in there. And that's really what the message of Hebrews chapter 12 is all about. It's coming from that key phrase where it says, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we don't want to grow weary, we want to keep going and doing what God has called us to do. And so instead of focusing on our circumstances, we want to focus on Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus because, and this is the argument the Hebrew writer is going to be making, is that Jesus is supreme. Jesus is superior. He is supreme over all of our problems and all of our circumstances that we face. Jesus is superior. He's above our challenges. He's greater than our circumstances. No matter what you're dealing with today, Jesus is greater. He is better. And that idea shows up about 15 times in the book of Hebrews, where over and over and over, the author just underlies, underlines again and again that we have a confidence in the superiority of Christ. That is what gives us courage. And that was true for us, and it was true for the first century Christians, these individuals who he's writing to, were Jewish believers. And they started off the Christian race with some excitement and some determination. And maybe some of you understand that. You started off really well, but over time, at some point, for these early believers, persecution set in, and they became discouraged. And so the writer of Hebrews, rather than saying, just take a break, guys, just go ahead and sit on the bench for a while, he says, you need to stay in the game, because Jesus is greater than your circumstances. 
He was saying Jesus is better than the law. He's better than the traditions, better than the Old Testament. He's better than Moses. He's better than the angels. Just read through the book of Hebrews, and you're going to see over and over again where he says Jesus is better than all of that. And so we're spending six weeks on just focusing on Christ, focusing on what he wants for us. In Hebrews chapter 12, let's look at these uh, first three verses. Again, this is our starting point. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus so that you do not grow weary. And last week we learned that one of the ways to stay in the game is to look around. Look at the cloud of witnesses around you. Realize there are other people that are heroes of the faith. They made it through. You can make it through. I'm a team player. I'm a team guy. And uh, if you asked me just to go work out on your own over the next six months, I would struggle. But if I knew that there were people who were relying on me, counting on me to be there, it's much easier for me to stay in that game. Uh, we're going to start our men's uh, softball up again this year, Tuesday nights. And when we do that, uh, I remember some guys were like, ah, I got this, I got that. Not me. I mean, unless there was a death in the family or some illness or something like that, I was going to be at the game no matter what because I'm a team player because I wanted to be there for my comrades when they had uh, a game that was going on. And, uh, and that's just the way I am. And the writer of Hebrews says, if you feel discouraged, here's what I want you to do. Look around at those around you and realize they've made it. You can make it too. Now today, he's going to tell you to look within. He's going to say, we want you to make sure that you are looking inside to look at those two ideas of throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, so easily captures our attention. Uh, every Wednesday right now, Josh and I are going to my mom's house uh, to write. We are writing our discipleship book, and we're actually very far through it now. Uh, we're over 200 pages together, and uh, within the next few months, we hope that will be available. But we're writing off-site because it's easier to write off-site. It's good for my mom, and it's good for us. It's good for my mom because she misses my dad and my sister and feels a bit lonely at times. It's good for us because my mom feeds us. Amen. And uh, she takes good care of us. But one of the things that she has at her house, she has different kinds of candy, but there is a jar of almond M&Ms that's just for me. Now, other people can have it, but she tells me this. Maybe she tells other people too. I don't know. But she says, Stephen, I buy these for you. I can't have peanut M&Ms because they give me a headache, but I can have almond M&Ms. And so I'll get into that. seems like the jar is never empty. I mean, as soon as I go, it'll be completely filled up again, and I'll just start eating those almond M&Ms. Now, I don't know about you, but I eat almond M&Ms in a little bit of a weird way. I, uh, if I have one green, one blue, one orange, one red, and two browns, I will eat the one brown first so that I have a matching set, right? It's just what I do. I, I just, it's weird. Don't send me to a psych ward. It is just I like to have a nice full set of M&Ms when I'm eating them, and uh, I know it's strange. But anyway, I, it just, and part of that just keeps me in the game. I just keep eating because I want to keep eating matching sets of M&Ms. And, uh, and, and unless I push those M&Ms out of the way, unless I literally push them out of the way and beyond my reach or focus, I'm going to keep going back to the jar. I know, y'all are not impressed. I'm weak. I'm very weak, all right? And uh, this, is, this is the case. But when I think about the Christian life, 
The Bible says there are some things that just grab our attention. There are some things that when you're running this race, they are distractions. They take you off course. And it's a weight that holds us down. And he says there are really two categories here. The weight that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And we're going to talk about a specific sin later. But the weight that hinders us, there is a weight. And the New Living Translation says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. In a race that's long and difficult, it's hard enough to run, but it's harder to run with a weight on you. Uh, Every year at CrossFit on Memorial Day, we do a workout called uh, Memorial Day Murph. And it's for Michael Murphy, who died in Afghanistan. And if you read the book Lone Survivor, if you saw the movie, it was about his story as well as some others. And he uh, died in battle. And so there's a workout that's named for his honor. And so on Memorial Day, we celebrate that. It's a one-mile run. It's 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and another mile run. And if you really want to do it as prescribed, you do it with a 20-pound vest on you. Uh, it's a brutal workout. It's usually hot. It takes about 45 minutes plus. And uh, I could tell you, as soon as that race is over, everybody who has one of those vests on just absolutely picks it up and drops it, like just throws it down to say, I don't want to even see you again for another year. Because there's something about weight that hinders our ability to run and to be successful. And the Bible says, throw off every weight that hinders you. Throw off everything that entangles you. Uh, How many of you have a junk drawer at your house? How many of you have one of those? Uh, It's just a catch-all, right? You go in, everything that, if you ever wonder, where did the thing go? Well, it's in the junk drawer. And uh, just go look there first because it might be there. And, And the Bible says, throw off everything, everything that hinders. There's so many things that we hold in our junk drawer. Everything that we just want to keep and hold on to. Now, I think these really fall in a few categories. I picked three. One of the weights is the anxiety and the pressure of life. I think stress slows people down from running the race that God called you to. Jesus specifically talked about that in Matthew chapter 13 where he speaks of the pressures of this life choking out the work of faith. The pressure of living this life. And some of you know that. Because you started out your race so really good as a Christian. You didn't have the kind of stress that you have today. It was different then, but then life started to happen. And as life started to happen, it seemed like it took on more and more weight. Like a runner who has asthma, you struggled to even breathe under the weight of your challenges. And so for some of you, the stress of life would be captured, I think, by the idea of a 45-pound weight. It's the, one of the largest plates that we have in terms of lifting in the gym. And uh, sometimes someone will say, pick up a 45-pound plate and carry it over your head as you run or as you walk. Uh, I think the ones who do the programming are actually the ones who are insane. But anyway, so we pick up the 45-pound weight and we carry that. And I can tell you it would be much easier if we had no weight at all to go running that race. You can hardly breathe. And some of you, you are carrying around 45-pound weights of stress. Like even in worship today, your mind is on a mortgage that you're trying to pay. Or your mind is on a biopsy where the test results have come in. Or your mind is thinking about a child that you're watching self-destruct or about an addiction that was just discovered. And you were doing okay. But now you realize the weight is on you. For some of you, maybe it's not 45 pounds. Maybe it's just 10 pounds or 5 pounds. But those things add up. And you had an unexpected illness in your family. Maybe the flu bug started to get passed around. Or maybe there was a pipe that broke in your house. Or maybe some unexpected bills. 
And all of these things, when you're putting them together, have more and more weight. And the Bible says, throw off the weight, everything that hinders. Another hindrance, I think, is religious practices. Some of you grew up in a religious tradition that added weight to you. It didn't lift burdens, it added weight. And you felt like you had to do these certain number of things or else God wouldn't love you. And maybe if you didn't follow through on a certain number of things, God wouldn't care for you. And the writer of Hebrews is all over this. He talks about the fact that as those who were Jewish believers, they grew up in a tradition that added weight to them. It didn't remove weight. It added burden. It added pressure to them. It added weight to them. That's why, Jesus, that's why it says in Matthew chapter 23, when Jesus was talking about the religious leaders, he said that they crushed people. They crushed people with unbearable religious demands that never lift a finger to erase the burden. And for some of you, that was your church experience. You went to a church and maybe a pastor or a priest, every time you went to church, you felt like they were just adding burdens to you. And you left not feeling renewed or refreshed or restored. You left feeling burdened, like you couldn't succeed. And I just determined a long time ago that that wasn't going to be my way and wasn't going to be the way of our church. Um, my dad years ago said, if you can't say it positively, don't say it. It doesn't mean there aren't times where there's conviction. In fact, we usually leave the Holy Spirit, uh, the conviction up to the Holy Spirit. He usually is the one who convicts and challenges us. You don't need someone else to beat you up. You need to be lifted up and encouraged and renewed. And through that and through models of positive behavior, I think it lifts us all to a better uh, place in our lives. And so this is not an exhausting place. It should be a place where the weight is lifted, where the burdens are lifted, where the shame is lifted. And I think another weight is for a lot of us, the way it just broadly described as sin struggles. You know, we all have different struggles. They're all different temptations that trip us up. And the Hebrew writer says, throw those off through repentance and profession, accountability. He says, you need to resist them, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so you get a real sense for how intense they should resist when you read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, which the Hebrew writer says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Like Jesus resisted. Now, anybody have played sports growing up and maybe you fell down on the field of play and your coach looks at you and says, put some dirt on it, right? Or, or it might say something like, hey, you're not bleeding, so get back in the game. Now, maybe it wasn't good advice, but that's what we were told as kids. Hey, you're not bleeding, get back in the game. You're like, okay, okay. And I think that's what he's saying. Look, in your struggle against sin, you haven't gone to the place of shedding your blood. You haven't resisted temptation to the level that Jesus resisted temptation. So stay in there. Stay in there. Keep fighting. Keep resisting. Keep resisting. Our tendency is sometimes to go along with it and say, well, this is just the way God made me. Or everybody else is doing. Or what am I supposed to do? I, I don't know. I can't resist. So I'll just throw my hands up and not worry about it. But the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. And then we blame God for the separation. Sin builds a wall between us and God. And then we tell God, hey, you're the one who built the wall, God. We blame you. But instead, the problem of sin is that it builds a wall so that down the road, you get to the place where you don't even want a relationship with God anymore. Your heart is hardened. It separates you from God. And some of you feel like you're not making any progress in your spiritual life, and it probably is related to this problem. And you think, well, I'm not where I want to be, and I'm about where I was six months ago, and I wonder why. And it's probably because you're avoiding that relationship with God. If you were a child, did you ever do something wrong? And you felt like, I need to avoid my parents. 
Did you ever make a mistake and then you thought, uh-oh, I, I don't want them to find that out, and you hide in your room? I've done that before. I did it with my um, parents when I was a child, and, I, and if I'm not careful, I can do it again with God. Because what happens is you avoid the individual, you avoid the person. You think, God, I, I can't be around you right now. It's one of the reasons people quit going to church. Because they feel convicted by the weight of their sin. And they think the only way to get rid of it, that burden, is just to simply stop being in a relationship with God. In Psalm 32, when David had sinned, it said, he writes, When I was silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand, he says to God, was heavy upon me. And my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And so he just describes what it's like to run the race when he's exhausted and he has shame and guilt and sin. And so today we open up the junk drawer. We see these things that hinder us, like stress, like religious practices, like sin struggles. And while there are other things that we could address, the writer of Hebrews says there are things that need to be thrown off. And the sin that so easily entangles. Now some commentators have said those are the same thing. The sin that so easily entangles and the weight that needs to be thrown off. Others have said they're different. And really, he's focused in, they think, on one specific sin. And when you read it, you think, well, what sin is he focused on? Maybe like 1 John chapter 2, where it talks about three big ones of lust and pride and greed. Maybe it's one of those, but I don't think so. If we read this in context, all of Hebrews chapter 11 was about the faith of those heroes who went before us. And Hebrews chapter 12 picks right up on that and says, therefore, based on all of that, let's run the race. And I think the sin that he might be targeting here is the sin of unbelief. In fact, if you look down through the stories of those in Hebrews chapter 11, you're reminded of Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11, hero of the faith, and God said to him, move to a different place, and I want you to take your family. And Abraham goes, where, God? And God says, I'll just show you. And then he says to Sarah, wife, I'm going to go to this place, and you're going to come with me. And she says, where are we going? And he says, I don't know. And she says, where? And, and he says, I'm not sure. And she says, okay, let's just go. There was faith. Now, you talk about pressure. One of the greatest pressures is moving. And they had to move to a place they didn't even know. You thought you had it bad. And they didn't have a moving truck. They had no two guys in a truck. They just had them. And they had to move their family and their belongings. To a distant land, pressure, stress. Take Moses' mother. Read about her in chapter 11 too. Imagine the stress of, of fearing for your child's life. And in the middle of that, she had enough faith to say, God, I'm going to send him to a different place. Just put him in a basket. Let him float down the river. She hoped and knew that maybe Pharaoh's family would take Moses in. And in fact, they did. And in fact, they called Moses' mother to come nurse him. God had a plan. But could you imagine the stress of that, sending your child down the river? Now, how many of you have wanted to send down your child down the river? Amen? But she had faith, and she did it because it was the right thing to do. Now, you have to understand that Jesus is better than anything that's stressing you out, better than your circumstances, better than your unreasonable boss, better than your critical spouse or your moody roommate. Jesus is better than the bills you're trying to pay, better than those things. So have faith. Set those things aside. Keep moving forward. And what about religion? Jesus is better than your religion practices. It's a weight. A lot of us put that weight on ourselves. We say, if I don't do these ten things, Jesus is not going to love me. We're wrapped up in trying to earn his love. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, are you tired and worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take rest. Walk with me. Work with me. 
Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything on you that's heavy or anything ill-fitting. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And Jesus is saying, I'm better than religion. In case you've ever wondered, I'm better than your best. I'm better than your best efforts. I'm better than your record of right and wrong. I'm better than your benevolent acts of generosity. I'm better even than your church attendance. Put your hope in me. I won't put anything heavy on you or ill-fitting on you. Trust in me, I'm better than those religious practices. He says, I'm, real, I'm better than your sin struggles. The, the, the root of sin is unbelief. That maybe we really don't believe that Jesus is better than my sin. If we believe that Jesus was better than our sin, then sin would lose a lot of its power. The power of sin is when you're looking to something or someone other than Jesus for satisfaction or meaning. And if I understand that Jesus is better, then it loses its grip on me. The power of sin gives us shame and guilt that weighs us down. But Jesus is better than our shame. Jesus is better than our guilt. And you're able to run free. Some of you walked in here today, you're carrying a load. You've got a 45-pound weight above your head. You are stressed out, or you're trying to figure out religious practices. You're trying to figure out how to earn God's love. Some of you have the shame of sin. And I ask, why are we doing that? Why do we carry it around? Jesus said in the past, the way to get rid of it was to, to do what Jonathan said a couple of weeks ago and to continue to try to pay and, and provide sacrifice and have somebody else do it for us. And, but in chapter 10, verse 22, it says, because of what Jesus has done for us, let us go right up to the presence of God with sincere hearts and great confidence. We fully trust in him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is better than your shame? He's better than the things that weigh you down. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is better than anything you can buy? I believe that Jesus is better than any web website you can visit. Jesus is better than any relationship you can be in. He's better than any house you can build or any car you can drive. Jesus is better than any vacation you can go on. I believe that Jesus is better than the biopsy you're waiting to have, or I, the, that Jesus is better than the bankruptcy you're struggling with. I believe that Jesus is better than your friends on Facebook, and I believe that he is better than your likes on Instagram. I believe that Jesus is better than being popular or getting promoted or keeping being, or being pursued. I believe that Jesus is better than anything you can smoke, anything you can drink, or anything you can shoot up. I believe that Jesus is better than any lover, any politician, any entertainer, or any athlete. I believe that Jesus is better than life itself. In fact, Jesus is even better than death. That's why he defeated the grave. So if you are tired, amen, if you're weary, if you're worn out, focus your eyes on Jesus. Come to him. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. Come to him. Take on his yoke. Take on his teaching. Yoke up with Jesus who said his burden is light. He said he will lift from you the burden. We used to sing when we were in church uh, that, that our burdens are lifted at Calvary. That's true then. It's true today. And so, God, we're just thankful today for your love for us. We're so thankful for just the fact that you lift our burdens. Our burdens are lifted at Calvary, God. We're so thankful that the Bible says that surely he took up our iniquities. Surely he took up our struggles. By his stripes we are healed. Surely he took up our pain. 
And so, God, we thank you for taking those things up, for lifting that plate above your head, for taking it off of us and saying, come on, run with me, run with me. The burden will be lighter. Run with me. I will carry the load. And, God, there are people today who came through the snow just to hear that Jesus is better, better than their circumstances, better than their struggles, better than their shortcomings, better than their sin, that Jesus is better. And God, I pray that as we walk out of this place today, we will feel renewed and refreshed and restored. We'll feel like a weight has been lifted from us. God, we know that you have told us that we can simply come to you. We can look to your example because the Bible says, for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross. The Bible says if we come to you, that you will give us the burden, take the burden from us and you will give us the blessing. God, you will take the burden from us and you will give us relief. God, you'll take the burden from us and we will be able to walk with you. You carry the load for us. God, I know that there's some who are stressed out, some who are dealing with sin, some who are dealing with just religious practices that burden them down. They feel like they can never be good enough. God, I pray that we walk out of here feeling like those burdens have been lifted, that grace is sufficient, that when we're weak, you're strong, that when we feel like we can't go one more lap, you take that weight and you say to us, stay in the game. Keep going. Don't give up. My burden is light. My load is light. And I'll take that weight and I'll lift it above my head and you can run along with me and we will finish this race together. Paul writes, I kept the faith. I finished the race. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day but not only to me, but to all of those who long for his appearing. Paul finished his race because Christ, Christ took the burden. We thank you for that. We celebrate and worship you now in Jesus' name.